there, chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat Updates. I am your forensic femme, Vital Natalie, is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios today, so your mm-hmm. listener discretion is advised. You have been warned that before we get into today's Crime Chat Updates... We are diligently planning to get ready for our season three kickoff in November. Yes. yes. But today we have a special edition of Crime Chat, and this is a case update. Yes. Yes. We are going to give you some case updates from our Crime Chat episodes from season two. But before we get into those updates, I wanted to mention some of our season two stats really quick. Ooh, I love stats. Give me numbers. Give me data, girl. Okay. Yeah. So our... (laughs) Top five episodes of the season based on downloads from you, our chatters, starting with number five, episode 61, The Case of Corey Richens. And that was 110 downloads, and we released that on June 24th. Oh, I'm glad you guys like that. Okay, good, good. The fourth top episode of the season is episode 52, A Shooting in Kentucky, Shayna Hoobers. And that had 113 downloads, and that was released on April 8th. Very cool. All right. We're having a pattern here. uh, I think the chatters like to see murderous women. Okay. Uh, And it's going to continue because number three is episode 62, the Arizona Torso Killer, a crime and cosmetics segment. Oh, boy. We have a problem. (laughs) That had 146 downloads, and we released that July 8th. And that was Valerie Pape, right? Yes. Valerie okay. Pape. She owned the boutique mm-hmm. and she cut her husband in half. <laughs> Number two, top download of season two was episode 66, What's Your Business? Taylor's Your Business. Oh that God. had 148 downloads and we released that one j- just recently, August 12th. Yeah, yeah. She was in the business. She was in the news business for a while there. Let's get down. Let's get down to uh. business. And the top. Download of season two was episode 51, The Spy, Robert Hansen. It had 180 downloads and that we released that earlier in the season, March 25th. Wow. So as of this recording, we've had 7,752 downloads. So thank you, chatters. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yes. Great. Almost 8,000 downloads in one season. That's crazy. Thank you, chatters. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I hope you brought your updates today, Kat. Yes. I've got three updates. I got three, too. To go over. So, yeah. cheers. Here's to updates. Cheers. Oh, and I, I'm rocking the Crime Chat with Nat and Cat wine glass that you can get at mm-hmm. crimechatwithnatandcat.com. Mm-hmm. You can order it there. So, like get your me. wine glass, Chattis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my updates, I picked three. The first update that I'm going to do is not really an update on the case, but it's a Netflix update. So I know you and I oh. both like Netflix. I love Netflix. Yes. Not sponsored by Netflix. Not sponsored. No, no, no. But we do watch. <laughs> we do watch Netflix. Yes. So quick question. Have you ever seen The Pale Blue Eye that was released in 2022? Yes. I sure have. I think... You know, I think we talked about it last year. I was telling you about it. I think so. What do you think? How do you like it? Wait, what's going on there? I, I liked it. I thought the story was super ominous. Yeah. And dark. Uh-huh. And I loved the character who played Edgar Allan Poe. 
Okay, I don't I don't know his name, the actor, but the his how he portrayed Ed, Edgar Allan Poe was like you liked it was so cool. I really did. Yeah. Okay, I got through like ten minutes and I had to shut it down because I was getting ah! I was getting bored. I was getting bored. I'm sorry, I was getting bored, so I I did not watch it. So I really don't have an update on that. Just want to let you know that it's a playing if you wanted to see it. I know Kat saw it. <laughs> Kat saw it, and actually, I was. Flipping through Netflix that that long ago, and I was like, oh, that was a good movie. I might want to watch that again. Yeah, and it's based on, you know, so The Pale Blue Eye is an American mystery thriller written uh, and directed by Scott Cooper, which adapted Mm -hmm. it from the 2006 novel, which was also named the same thing. Mm -hmm. The plot follows a veteran detective, uh, Augustus Landor, in 1830 in West Point, New York. Mm -hmm. He investigates a series of murders at the United States Military Academy, and he is aided by Edgar Allan Poe, which is a total switcheroo. Yeah. Which I really like because Edgar Allan Poe, you know, we did that series. We did yeah. that episode. Yeah. And we, we kind of like, you know, we it's, it's sometimes people forget that he gave us true crime detective work that we know today. Like when mm-hmm. we're... We love detective shows. We love all this stuff. And really, he started that whole, like, fictional storyline where, you know, oh, this is detective and all this stuff. Oh, and by the way. Yes. Your birthday just passed. It did. And Mr. Chris Hansen had a little happy birthday for you. He did. That was freaking phenomenal. (laughs) My mind was, like, blown. I was like, how? What? Is is this real? Adorable. First of all. (laughs) Wow, a silver fox. And two, his voice is just amazing. He played that line perfectly. <laughs> so go check out his new podcast on yes. what is it, True Blue? T R U True Blue. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the original, the OG to catch a predator. So basically. Yeah. 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 He started the whole thing he in did. a kitchen. <laughs> he would just invite people over. Oh my God. So the other one that I really wanted to get to. Okay, that I just watched and I am totally in love with this. The Fall of the House of Usher. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. And let me tell you how. It's on my watch list, by the way. I haven't started to watch it yet. So for Chatters, if you don't know, I have been going through another master's program, getting my creative writing expertise so I can Mm -hmm. get to writing some of my own books. And one of the pieces that we were going to analyze last week was the original Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. So I read it and, you know, there's certain exercises and stuff that our professor had us do regarding word selections and how the transitions and, you know, a bunch of the artistic things behind writing. And I was like, okay, I I wanted to watch The Fall of the House of Usher already. Uh Now I'm literally just waiting for my husband to get off work so we can sit down and we can binge watch it because I got to see it. I got to see it. And if I'll say this before you get into it, but if you haven't, it's not mm. a very long, sh- it's not a, it's, no, I would say it's not a very long short story. It's a short story. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a, a novel, if you will. It's a short right. story. And it was actually part of a original like depiction or like illustration of a bunch of fictional stories. So like in uh-huh. this magazine of how it was, it was released. It was one of the short stories that was included in there. And if you, uh, of course it, a lot of the, the literature of, are of this classical writing style is a little bit different than what we would consider contemporary. So the verbiage usage, the like a lot of the, the diction and the syntax and how everything is kind of put together is different. But right. that's also yeah. perfection for that time period. Mm-hmm. So that's my two cents on that. 
<laughs> and Edgar was perfect. Let's face it. It was perfect. He was perfect. So the, the fall of the House of Usher, Kat, I am just like in awe mm-hmm. of this Netflix series. I think they give you a lot. So like every episode is an hour long. Mm-hmm. It's a limited series. So you mm-hmm. only have like eight or nine episodes. Mm-hmm. But every single episode was just like it was surprising, shocking, gut-wrenching. And you sit there and you're like, Holy shit, I cannot wait to watch the next one. Like you're awesome. not, you're going to you're going to watch the whole thing in one day. Good. I want to. <laughs> it's really good. So like, you know, like the Ball of the House of Usher, I'm not going to get into the story. You're like it's it's <laughs> like you said it's a short story. It's it was originally written for the Burton Gentleman's magazine mm-hmm. in 1839. That's how old it is. Yes. And it basically, you know, a real quick summary. The post story begins with an unidentified male narrator writing mm-hmm. to the house of Roderick Usher, mm-hmm. a childhood friend. So now in this story, mm-hmm. they really like switched it up a little bit where they kept the story very valid and accurate, but they changed like what Roderick did for a living. Okay. And how it affects his family. Okay. And the decay of the family. Mm -hmm. And also his mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's huge in the Netflix series. And they stayed true to Poe's story in that way, but like brought it to like a modern... Okay. What what would happen to us? And did they talk about the sister? God, yeah. The sister, I... (laughs) The sister was like... All right. Okay. The sister, the actress they got for her, I don't know her name. I have to Google it, okay? Because uh, she is brilliant. You've seen her. She's a... a, They got got an all-star cast. Well, actually, they kind of stayed true to the cast that was in The Haunting... What is it? The Haunting of Hill House? Or The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House okay. and then The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. They kept with some of the same actors Perfect. and actresses. Yeah. So you, you're familiar with them. Okay. But the Roderick and his sister are two totally new okay. actors that came in and they are brilliant. Madeline Usher is Roderick's sister. When he invites his friend over, his sister's already dead at that point. Everybody's right. already dead. Right, right, so right. It's, yeah. It, it, it is revealed that Roderick's sister, Madeline, is also ill and falls into a death-like trance. And, mm-hmm. It was okay. consumption. Was it? I'm pretty sure. They didn't say what? it, but I think it was. You think it was consumption? Oh, for the book. Okay, okay. <laughs> for the book. <laughs> so now, Camille, in Netflix, she's played by the really, like, okay, so in The Haunting of Hill House, she, in the beginning of, so she plays the girl that comes out of the lake. By the same actress that was that girl that was mm-hmm. coming out of the lake. Mm-hmm. And then in The Haunting of Bly Manor, she was the sir, she was the alcoholic sister. Okay. 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 So she's that stunning looking girl that really strongly resembles Angelina Jolie. Like yeah. She yeah. strongly resembles her. She does. So. She does. Kate Siegel. <laughs> she's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I would say you have to go watch it. Please, oh, please, please, please. I know. Oh, I know. It's it's there. I'm just waiting. And I, I might run out of patience. <laughs> <laughs> so my next update is the case of Corey Richens, which mm-hmm. was released on June 24th. Mm-hmm. And you said it had 110 plays. 110 oh downloads. Downloads. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Okay. So some updates. There was a recent search in her jail cell in September. Mm-hmm. 
And this search revealed a six-page letter to her mother, which Corey allegedly explains, like, how her brother, Rodney, should go along with the story on how Eric was seeking out illicit drugs. Okay. So she was basically prepping the witnesses. Yes. She was prepping her brother on what to say and all this yes. stuff. Yes. I want to say okay. I heard that on the news, actually. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Okay, go ahead. It's called Walk the Dog Letter, because in the top, it says Walk the Dog. Like, you're telling your husband to do something like it's do list after the letter was confiscated richens phones her mother from jail and perhaps knowing that the conversation was being taped by authorities explained that the letter was part of her novel and it was all fiction you know she was just right so she was trying to claim like oh i wasn't confessing i was just i'm writing my next book you know she is she's an author i mean her her first book was how to help your children grieve with death and the right. loss of their father, why right. wouldn't you jump to a fiction? <laughs> I, it's just, I know. The, the, it's there. I see the connection. <laughs> yes. Well, her lawyer claimed that in, well, he claimed in court that the letter was to be passed from her to her mother, her mother and then to her attorney. Therefore, it would be protected under attorney-client privileges. So they had no right to confiscate that letter, which, I, you know what? I don't. Oh, I, that's bullshit. Thank you. I think that yeah. once you're incarcerated, you have no rights to your personal possessions. They yeah, could be confiscated I, at any time. And that's the thing, too, is like you have – you are 24 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week, subjected to search. Right. And I wonder Regardless. If, this is, is, if this is different in every state for that. Like maybe this is different in this state that prisoners have more rights to their personal possessions because I feel like – I mean you would know – if prisoners has have rights like this where they can kind of say, no, that's my pen. This is my pen. It's in my cell. Like no. one of the security Because even are- if you buy it at the commissary or the little corner store with whatever right. credits of good behavior that you have. Right. You bought a pen. <laughs> it can still be taken away because it right. can be used it's- as a weapon. Right. So you really basically are in- entitled to nothing, which you shouldn't no. be. I mean, in any confidential conversations that you would have mm. with a lawyer mm-hmm. is done in a separate way. And that's when like, okay, humana, humana, you now have 30 minutes to talk to your lawyer. Any conversations right. in between you and your lawyer or documentations that are passed, this is all confidential. This is your right. Right. But it's not like, oh, I was writing a letter to my lawyer. Mm. And, but even if, okay, so here's another technicality. Even if she gave it to her mother to give to the lawyer, Right. That's not following confidentiality because there is no confidentiality between the mother and the and the daughter. Right. It's not you can't use somebody else to get in lieu of. It'd have to go directly to. Right. She's trying to be shady so. here. She's trying to be shady. The prosecutor, however, Nathan Evershed, told Newsweek that he says this is a bombshell defense. Like this, this is going to this letter is basically an admission yes, of what of, of what she's trying to do. She's trying to manipulate the witnesses. It's witness tampering, basically. It is. It is. So D- obstruction of justice. Yeah. I mean, you name it. There could be a, a lot of things that could fall. Yeah, and but you know what. The, her defense attorney, like, they are just not convinced of this. Like, so the the letter itself is called Walk the Dog Letter. Mm-hmm. I tried to find the actual letter and I couldn't find the, the letter to read. And I guess because it's evidence. Yeah. So. Probably. I was just going to say it's, it's, it's evidence. They wouldn't be releasing it. Now, you know, come trial, they probably right. will. But. So basically what it looks like, it looks like she's trying to coach her brother and what to say about what, why Eric overdosed. Or why he mm-hmm. would have those drugs. Mm-hmm. And does coaching somebody on what to say raise the level of witness tampering 
The former Salt Lake County prosecutor, Kent Morgan, said, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If you have potent- a potential witness in a case, whether you are, whether you're accused or not, and if you want to kind of tell the witness, like, tell me what you're proceed like what what is your testimony going to be you can have those conversations you can and that's trial prep trial prep and yeah so i've gotten called into trial prep for both prosecution and defense side right whereas like if i was going to be called as a witness during a case so you have a witness list right right both prosecution comes up with their list of witnesses defense comes up with theirs Mm -hmm. and you would get prep like let's say i was testifying on behalf of prosecution i would get prepped by prosecution but i would also be then questioned by the defense prior to trial right now so that would be considered i wouldn't say coaching yeah i mean it could be considered coaching beforehand it it is but that's okay people want to be coached not that they want to be coached but they want to know what they're going to get hit with like right what should i expect and that's why they you do a lot of prep let's say with the with prosecution or with the defense like you do the prep ahead of time saying now yeah that's what the jurist doctor that's what the attorney not with the actual accused though Correct. Yes, okay. you wouldn't do that. You would not. I mean, would the accused, if they were released on bail, be present during any type of coaching? Possibly. That's mm. possible. Mm. Think of the Natalie, or is it Natalie? <laughs> the Natalia, the child. The Natalia, the curious case of Natalia. The Russian kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in that documentary, the accused, the the adoptive father, right. was in all of the prep because he was out on bail. So a lot of the, the trial prep and stuff going into trial, he was there for talking to some of the witnesses and the coaching and, the, and all the preparation. We want to stay away from this. We, we need to focus in on that, get the jury's direction to focus on this. You know, it's all strategic. It's all strategic planning ahead of time. Do you feel that the letter is fair game for prosecutors? Like, do you feel that? Yes. I I feel that way, too. I feel like anything that she does in that cell is fair game to be used against her. I just don't feel she she's entitled to any personal possessions. I don't feel anybody in jail serving for murder <laughs> is entitled to personal and then there's, possessions. Like I said, there's a time and, and place for confidential conversations right. and trial prep. There's a time and place for that. Mm. Having a letter, no. Oh. Like that you're saying, this is going to go to my attorney through my mother and my brother and these other five hands before it gets to the attorney. No, that's not right. confidential. Exactly. And Medea said it the best. I don't give a damn. Corey, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Bye, bitch. Bye. (laughs) You poisoned your husband. Yes, a good man. A good man. A father of three. Come on. So fucked up. She's such a... Anyway, moving on. So let's talk about the next bitch in the case. (laughs) (laughs) My next update is... Episode 66, which is What's Your Shabiznes, Taylor Shabiznes. Let's get down to Shabiznes. So as we know, on July 26th, a court convicted Shabiznes of first degree intentional homicide, mutilation of a corpse, and third degree sexual assault. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole for the gruesome meth-fueled murder Mm. of her lover, and he was Shad Therian. Bailey did it. She did. Bailey Therian did it. So were there any any differences? Yes. There were. What were the differences? The biggest one that sticks out to me Mm. was Warren, Mm. her husband. His last name was, it was something else like Sharon or something like that. Okay. And then when they got married, they said, we're going to change our name to, or or it was Shaban or something like that. Okay. We're going to change it to Shabiznes because it's a meth (gasps) business. And I was like, ooh. I didn't know that. I don't think we had that. No. Yeah. Wow. That was 
Super cool. Super that, cool. What else? What else did she did she anything different? Listen, we love Bailey. So if when yes. Bailey does something, we need to watch it. We need to because she picks up on these little clues and these little tidbits that we love. You know what she did do, which I thought was kind of super cute, yeah. is she led into her story talking about methamphetamines <gasps> the same way that we yes. did. And I was like, oh, like heart, we love you. <laughs> so I, uh, but that's that's the only part of the story that sticks okay. out that was different or okay. new and additional. Information. I definitely yeah. did not cover that. I didn't even know that. I did not know that. So thank you, Bailey. Did not know that, but. Because we did it, because Bailey did it, I figured we don't need to go over the story again, beating a dead horse. <laughs> I'm just going to go over five things that you may not know about Taylor's business or that you may need to be reminded about, about how evil this person is, okay? <sighs> Number one, Taylor's business told police, I can't believe I left the head, though. Yep. Okay? I was... I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot. So at, yeah. while she was being interviewed by detectives, she business said, damn, the head. I can't believe I left the head. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, where was the rest of the body? She business said, police were going to have some fun trying to find all the organs as she yeah. dismembered the body. As we know, she shoved parts of the body in her truck. Mm-hmm. She shoved parts of the body in a bucket. She basically, I think after, she said that she blacked out, but we both know that there were a lot of drugs involved. And even if there weren't drugs involved, she is suffering from some serious delusions and mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and we covered that in our case mm-hmm. about like what the psychiatrist was saying during trial. You know what Stephanie told me today? What? Is that the side effects of a of a chronic methamphetamine user mm. include psychiatric diagnoses such as bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Like it can induce mental disorders. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoo. Shout out, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. I could definitely see that. (laughs) So now, uh, yeah. So one of her excuses why she left the body parts like in the car and in the bucket and all over the place and she forgot the head is because she basically got lazy. So I think. But I was tired. She was coming down from her meth high, basically. But she did tell detectives that, you know, she used a bread knife because Mm -hmm. that works best. She tried a bunch of different knives from the kitchen, but the bread knife worked the best. Yeah. And you know what? I agree. I like my bread knife but not for a body. (laughs) (laughs) I love my bread. (laughs) Number two, Shabizna said she strangled the victim with a chain as part of a sex act. She became crazy because the drugs and continued to perform sexual acts on him after he was dead, according to the complaint. Mm -hmm. Now that is Mm -hmm. probably, it sends shivers down my spine thinking about that poor man. Yeah. 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 Number three, Ship Business had previous arrests and charges, including fleeting and eluding officers, felony yep. bail jumping, possession of drug paraphernalia, resisting an officer, battery on mm-hmm. a law enforcement officer, and mm-hmm. operating with a suspended license. So this girl mm-hmm. ha- was a common offender, frequent flyer. The cops kind of mm-hmm. knew her already and her issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Knew she was a meth dealer. She was a meth. She had ship business. They knew her ship business. They knew her ship business. Mm-hmm. Number four, ship business is married and has a newborn son. Her husband is in jail on unrelated charges. Well, meth charges. Yeah, but unrelated yeah. to this case. To the mud. To the mud. So, ship business husband, her husband has a Facebook page. And on his page, he calls her Queen Taylor Shabizness. 
I think we went over this in our case, mm-hmm. but I just want to go over it again because he's as delusional as she is. He wrote, I do trust my beautiful wife. I do anything to protect her. Stay strong, baby boo. I love you. We have been, so they have been together since, according to him, since 2017. And according to like the Facebook posts and like when they mm-hmm. were like, oh, status change. We're in a relationship type of thing. <laughs> Uh, so Taylor's uh, last public Facebook post was on January 13th, 2022. She wrote, went off and told an addict, I'll never stop buying you dope so I could sit back and watch you die. Do you think she was speaking to Shad about Shad? Or I mean, it's possible, but I could totally see her going, I'll never stop buying you dope so I can sit back and watch you die. Yeah. I could see her telling that to anybody she sells meth to. True. That is true. Yeah. Mm. I mean, she's a bad. She this is this is a bad case. This is Dahmer level bad. She's like the yeah. female Dahmer. I mean, with with uh, fortunately only one victim, Thank but God. she's she's Dahmer level for sure. Definitely, God, she oh. didn't eat him. Yeah, she. But, you know something though. Everything I, else. I think Dahmer was more calculated than her. I think she was just really off, unhinged, and off mm-hmm. the chain, but. I don't think she was as calculated, and, and I don't think she was as smart as Dahmer, where yeah. Dahmer kind of made friends with his monster. I think Shabiznas just released hers, basically, mm. you know? All yeah. right. She well, said, as long as I'm high, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine watching you die, basically. Yeah. 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 Number five, Shad Theron's family says he was taken from them by what I can only assume is a monster. She is a monster. She is a monster. His mm-hmm. uncle wrote that on the now deleted Facebook post. For some reason, like, why would it be deleted? Was he getting bad comments? Probably. Probably. I could totally see that. The way people are today, going after Shad's family for whatever reason, saying, well, maybe he deserved it or he was the one who asked for it or something so, Fucked like, up. yeah, like, so negative and just, like, demeaning to the family. Like, people have no respect at all. They have no respect. Fucked up. Uh, he wrote, you had such a good heart and soul, Shad. I love you so much, and I can't even begin to describe what we are feeling. I really feel bad for the family, because not only did they lose somebody, but they lost somebody in the most horrific way possible. You know that Taylor just destroyed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just really... Uh, yeah. During the Shabiznas trial, mm-hmm. her first court appearance, assistant district attorney said, I think the facts alleged are extremely concerning and disturbing and go to the violent nature and grave nature of the offense. Bail was set at $2 million. I'm surprised it was set at all. Well, yeah. You know what? You're right. They shouldn't have. Why did they set her bail if they knew she was that much of a psychopath? Because she was going to do nothing but go out and get high. Mm. Yeah. And potentially kill somebody else. Right. But they should. You're right. They shouldn't even posted any bail. I wouldn't think so. Prosecutors. Well, this would explain why the the bail went so high to two million. But once again, like why even post bail? Mm -hmm. Because the prosecutors were saying that she was a flight risk from the beginning. She had at one point an electric monitoring device on her ankle, which she cut open Mm. during her 2020 convictions. So she was a flight risk. Like why even give her the opportunity for bail? I mean, you don't know how many drugs she sold. Maybe she did have two million set aside. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's possible, but like. I don't think she's that smart with her money. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Well, yeah. So that's my updates. Yay. So up. So what do we get from my updates? One, what are you going to watch tonight, Cap? Well, it's going to have to be tomorrow when the husband comes home. So the fall of House of Usher. Thank you. 
Number one, okay. the fall of the House of Usher. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Because the I, we just released a, a TikTok that was a, a SNL skit. Sweater weather. Sweater Girl, weather. That sweater is weather. so us. I'm sorry. That's that us. is. It's perfect. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So I'm ready for your <laughs> updates. <laughs> so I've got three cases. Also, the first one we're going to do is from bonus episode 42, and that was the New Year's Eve crimes, the, mm-hmm. the episode that came out on New Year's Eve day of 2022. And if you recall this story, it was Jasani Carter, now 21, and Jordan Ruby, who's now 19. They were accused mm-hmm. of committing murder and robbery in Las Vegas on December 31st, 2021, mm-hmm. in a violent shooting spree. Both men are currently being held without bail. Charges of the murder include 66-year-old Clarice Yamaguchi and 60-year-old Hayo Suum. There's also 13 charges in total. The men are being charged with one attempted murder in addition to the two murders, one attempted robbery, four counts of robbery with a deadly weapon, and five counts of conspiracy to commit robbery. So that's actually the all-inclusive of all the charges. In jail, Jordan Ruby, the younger one, he told his mother on a recorded call from the jail that they just went to Las Vegas to make money, basically, a.k.a. rob people, Mm -hmm. but they just went about it in a quote-unquote dumb way. Like, let's not do that. (laughs) It was dumb, Mom. I'm sorry. Prosecutors say that Carter also allegedly robbed a California woman in March of 2021 Mm -hmm. and robbed a California jewelry store in October of 2021. So they're adding to Carter's charges as well. Mm -hmm. Now, the defense attorney for Ruby did file for the case to be dismissed. However, prosecutors are seeking the death penalty for both men. And trial was supposed to be this year, but it is now pushed to 2024. So I guess Vegas has the death penalty. I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. We're going to need another update. We're going to need yeah. another one. Okay. So we'll follow up this one <laughs> next year. Oh, I guess in season three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. My second case update is a crime and cosmetics episode. The Uber Killer. Oh. This was our very, this was the episode where we had our very first guest. Yes. Paul, Paul Dow. Paul Dow. Paul Dow. And he was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yes. At the time of the Uber Killer murders. Mm-hmm. February 2016. Paul gave us some real, like, insight to what was going on in the community at that time and, like, mm-hmm. what he was seeing while mm-hmm. the crime was going on and unfolding yes. and how the police were reacting and what was he, he seeing on the TV. Because we're states away. <laughs> he don't... was at that car dealership, like, an hour or two before yeah. the, the son and father were killed by the Uber driver. Yeah. Like, he was there, like, within hours at yeah. the same dealership. That's crazy. So in February 2016, Uber driver Jason Dalton fatally shot eight people in a killing spree in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Six were killed and two were injured. Dalton said that it was a quote unquote devil head that had appeared to him when he opened the Uber app to accept rides or to accept jobs, essentially. Some witnesses and survivors of the rampage said that Dalton was driving erratically, speeding, blowing through stop signs, even driving into oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. While others say he behaved normally. So I don't know. Some like some of the writers were saying he was fine. Some of the writers were saying this, this guy was cuckoo nuts. Right. Many of the writers didn't know Dalton had a gun underneath his coat that night. Dalton pled guilty to six counts of murder, eight felony firearms charges, and two counts of assault with intent to murder. Dalton is serving six life sentences without the possibility of parole. Do you remember back in the story, the very first guy who called about Dalton? His name was Matt Mellon. Yeah. Okay, 
he was one of the first to report Dalton's erratic driving behavior mm-hmm. to Uber. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt Mellon filed a lawsuit against Uber in 20, September of 2021, claiming that Uber did not have the 24-7 incident response capabilities that they indicated on their website. Mm-hmm. Part of this lawsuit says, quote, The guilt kicks in for Matt Mellon, the reliving of the events of that day and night in excruciating, painful detail. The feeling of total helplessness, the sense of being thoroughly defrauded over there being no way to connect with Uber and stop Uber driving, the Uber's driver's crimes, the shootings, Mm -hmm. the killings, end quote. Yeah. So this lawsuit is actually still ongoing and Dalton is still in jail, of course. Yeah. So... Well, not completely tied to this case. There's not really a whole lot of case updates with this other than this ongoing, like, civil suit. Okay. But somewhat related, I found way too many cases that were related to Uber and murders. Really? Like, I was trying to search for case updates to see if there was anything out there when I was getting ready for this, and I found too many. Like, so many different Uber-related murders or violence. And I'm going to go over a couple of them. You know something, just just a little before you go into the other cases about this case, I remember when Paul said he kind of like had this conspiracy theory, about, well, not conspiracy, but a theory about what happened to him mm-hmm. where he said, well, maybe he was either leaving his wife or maybe like something was shady about that. Yeah. You know, like there was yeah. something very off about that. And and I think you would have to go back to the episode to hear Paul's like description of what yeah. he thought, the theory, but, but it was pretty damn spot on. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, I think they are divorced now. Because mm. wife I, did divorce him after all of that. I hope so. Because hope he, so. he was also using her as an alibi, if I remember correctly. That's right. Yeah, and his five cars. Yeah. The fuck has oh, God, yes. <laughs> so... In April of this year, an MS-13 gang member, Oscar Solis, was arrested for dismembering an Uber Eats deliver driver outside of Tampa, Florida. Oh, boy. Solis was also attempting to rob the Uber Eats driver. When police went to search for the driver at the last known delivery location, they found the victim's dismembered body inside a trash bag that was in Solis's home. So they knew, the police knew that the driver went to this house he hasn't been heard from, so police, of course, mm. respond to the last known delivery address, and they found his body dismembered inside this house. Oh, boy. Well, not originally identified, but the affidavit did say that he was 59-year-old Randall Cook. Solis also allegedly drove Cook's car and abandoned it about a third of a mile away from the house, so, like, that kind of shows covering up something, even if it was an accident, quote-unquote accident. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Police. How was that an accident? I don't know. Remember the body. I accidentally removed your leg. Sorry. (laughs) Well, that's what Valerie Pape said. I accidentally shot my husband and I had nothing else to do but cut him up. Girl, that girl <laughs> not only dismembered her bo- her husband's body, who weighed probably three times her amount because she was right. a twig, but she did it in heels. So she did. Valerie her, Pape, like her stilettos she's a, and jumpsuit. She's a different level. She's yeah. a different level. <laughs> so he. Yeah, Solis went and parked Cook's car away. Police also added a charge to Solis's affidavit saying that he failed to register as a felon, which was a violation of his Indiana parole. So he was from Indiana, moved to Florida, uh-huh. never registered as a felon. So they added that onto his his charges. So okay. his trial is pending. Okay. So June of this year, mm. 48-year-old Phoebe Copas was charged with murdering her Uber driver, 
Danielle Pedrick Garcia, 52, of El Paso, Texas. Mm. Copas falsely believed that the driver was going to kidnap her and take her to Mexico because she saw signs for Juarez, Mexico, on the road. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all know this. El Paso is very close to Mexico. So Mm. you're gonna see signs. Mm Copas was visiting from Kentucky. Apparently, she was not familiar with how close it was. Her trial is scheduled for February of 2024. She killed her Uber driver because she saw a sign from Mexico. She's like, he's kidnapping me. He's taking me to Mexico. She freaked out. So she killed him. Oh, my God. Initially, I don't think she thought he was dead, but of course. Oh, You shoot somebody in the head. I'm just saying. Oh, man. Oh, man, no. So same month Hmm. this year, June, Mm -hmm. also in Florida. Oh, God. Hollywood, Florida. (laughs) Uber driver Christopher Bernadell accepted a rider, 19-year-old Miles McGlashan. Some sort of argument ensued regarding a change in the location or cancellation of the ride of the fare. Mm. So they got into some sort of altercation. The driver said that he shot the rider, McGlashan, in self-defense, the 19-year-old. The state did find the self-defense excuse plausible, and they dropped the charges in relation to Florida's stand-your-ground law. The Uber driver was probably like, it was probably something procedural to do with Uber. Like, I followed procedure, and then the 19-year-old got... And that's a blame 19-year-old, but he th- there was an altercation. Yeah. And he said that he just was defending himself and he shot him and he died. The 19-year-old died. Yeah, Florida's got some problematic ways about it. Like we just, just mm-hmm. th- this past July, we had just literally in this county, like not far from where I live, fireworks were going off. A father came over to his neighbor's house, somebody he lives next door to, to tell them, don't fire fireworks going towards my house. Mm-hmm. The guy, I guess, was a little intoxicated, saw him approaching him, took his gun out and fired. And he is he is kind of getting off on the stand your ground law. OK, I, th- I think it depends on how you present it. Was he going yeah. over there heated mm. and like uh, approaching this guy's property? Had, did they have a history? There's like probably a lot more to that because yeah. he was just going over to your neighbor's house going me like, no, hey, man. Can you stop just doing that? I don't want my grass to catch on fire. Whatever. And they're going to be like, no. Blah, blah. Yeah, I think it you was aggress- <laughs> I think it was an aggressive altercation, but there were kids present. There were kids from oh. both sides present. And the guy just took it there. He just got his gun and didn't ask questions and just shot. Like, Ugh. you're on my property. You're fair, fair game. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, I'm sorry. Well, our final Uber story, not the final one of all, but the final mm. Uber story I'm going to talk about mm. is in August of this year in Seattle, an 18-year-old woman confessed to murdering her Uber driver and then stealing his car to go get her hair done. Oh, God. The driver, 52-year-old Amari Gita, was shot after he stopped along the curb to pick up his fare. Her name is Nalena Allen Bailey. Mm. She was caught a few days later driving around his Prius. Originally, she said that Gaeta attacked her, but then she recanted her story. She changed her story a couple times, which is super weird. The gun allegedly used in the shooting was found under the driver's seat when they pulled her over and found her in the car. Mm -hmm. And it was, quote, unquote, heavily soiled with what appeared to be blood. Alan Bailey did not appear in court for her first scheduled appearance. She has been booked for first degree murder. Prosecutors may also charge her for second degree murder assault. Mm. She allegedly admitted to detectives during her interview that she pulled a gun on a Washington State Department of Transportation worker, so like a construction guy, mm-hmm. who confronted her and two others about tagging graffiti in a transportation tunnel. Like maybe they were doing some like graffiti or something on there and then 
she said she allegedly confronted this guy and saying she pulled a gun on him when the guy working tried to stop them from vandalizing the tunnel. Are you kidding? It's stupid. <laughs> yes. So this Department of Transportation employee was assaulted by the other two people present. And either way, they or Alan Bailey, they took away his phone, took his badge from his pocket. Regards to the Uber driver, she is pending trial now to killing Amari Gita. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So this all started. This can't be a normal haircut. I mean, this has to be extensions. Well, I mean, she was going to get her hair did. I don't she, know. I was going to say, she, it has to be like, this better be some serious extensions, girl. No, it, not clip-ins. Isn't that why you hire an Uber to drive you? Yeah. To go get your hair did? Right. You, don't, you ain't got to kill him and you take his car. You your driver. Jeez. You need your hair done. Come on, girls. Come on. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So... There are some crazy stories out there having to do with Uber. Mm. Uh, I just happened to find that really interesting to follow up with our Uber driver story. Kind of the OG Uber driver killer. Yeah. But the last story I'm going to go over is from bonus episode 55. (sighs) Our named crimes theme we did last year, Chris Crimes. I'm going to go over a little bit of updates for Chris Watts. Oh, boy. Oh. Just to summarize, in August of 2018, Chris Watts strangled his wife, Shanann, who was 15 weeks pregnant, and then smothered his two daughters, Bella, four, and Celeste, or CC, three. Since his conviction, Watts has been spending his time in prison as a custodian at the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wapoon, Wisconsin. He also maintains active correspondence with several women who believe he is innocent. <laughs> One letter read, Girls. quote, In my heart, heart emoji, Mm. you're a great guy, writes Candace. If you do write me back, I'd be the happiest girl alive. That's for sure. She punctuated the note with hashtag Team Chris, hashtag Chris is innocent, hashtag I love him, and hashtag too cute, end quote. That came from an article. Girls, girls, (laughs) come on. Make better choices. Bailey, make better choices. Get better idols. Come on now. Now, in a separate correspondence, Watts shared the gory details of murdering his family Mm. to one of his pen pals. Her name is Sherilyn Cadle. And this is in a new episode of Lifetime's Cellmate Secrets Mm -hmm. TV series. Oh, I didn't see that. He told Sherilyn, quote, he told me he would daydream about killing Shanann. She would be yelling at him or be upset about something and he wouldn't fight back. He would just stand there and just daydream about what it would be like to kill her, end quote. What the fuck? He wrote that to his pen pal. Crazy. Yeah. Watts also is alleged to have grown close to another inmate, Dylan Tallman, who insists that both he and Watts are innocent. Both men apparently found religion behind Boz (laughs) and jointly self-published a prayer book Mm. called Revelation in the Reckoning. In 2021. Now, okay. One prayer reads, uh, quote, My past is a blueprint and the devil the architect. While I watch his fallen ones build stone upon stone every day, I see these walls as insurmountable, a barrier that blocks me from enjoying your love, your peace, and your joy, uh, O oh Lord. End quote. Girl. Watts pled guilty to avoid the death penalty and was sentenced to five life sentences plus 48 years without the possibility of parole. Rest in hell chris watts bye bitch you know bye bitch what like why is it when why it's crazy it's like when if if we oh god maybe possibly this season three we'll <laughs> go over a serial killer who is female a war knows. you know like it's weird how like women 
are more aggressive to the fact that, yeah, I did it. I did it. I killed him. I, you can't do anything about it. Where men are like mm-hmm. more self-righteous and, oh, that was me yesteryear and I am – listen to me now. <laughs> you know, it's just – just <laughs> the self-righteous that – like that just makes me feel more disgusted about this well, man. Didn't, didn't Eileen Wernos also claim to found religion and was asking for forgiveness right before her execution? No, she just asked for a coffee. Well, I mean not like like right before, but there was a couple of interviews that I saw – in the female serial killer class that I took, mm-hmm. I was telling you about, that she was basically showing... Remorse. Remorse she, for it. She might have been, because I truly think that... And we'll, we'll get into it, but I truly think that with her, that was a combination of trauma, um, emotional abuse, physical abuse, childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. I think it was just so wound up into so many things on top of being having no, like... like um, what do you call it? executive functioning in her brain to be less mm-hmm. impulsive? I think there were a lot of things going on with her. So yeah, I truly think that Eileen probably could have felt more authentic remorse than fucking Chris Watts. I think sure. Chris Watts is probably more of a manipulator, and he just yes. wants because he wants to feel like he's like it's Ed it's Kemper. It's all about image. Ed Kemper. It's all about image. Yeah. Ed Kemper wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. Ed Kemper didn't want to be told what's wrong with him. Ed Kemper wanted That's... to tell you what was wrong with him and why you should well, listen he to was, him. <laughs> uh, he was actually smart, though. He, okay. wasn't... <laughs> he, was, he was legitimately intelligent. Brilliant. And he had the IQ to back it he up. He did. So he did. I want to see what Chris Watts' IQ is. Oh, God. <laughs> it's probably like this. Wisconsin. It's probably. Wisconsin. Like, can we get an IQ test done on Chris Watts, please? Thanks. It's probably three inches. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, guys, that wraps up our season two case updates. We are diligently preparing for season three. So don't forget to follow us on all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Mm -hmm. TikTok. See what we got coming up. We're going to have some teasers coming up. We're going to kick off season three on November 11th. Yes. So remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. when you become a chatter to our Patreon, you'll have access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, free merch, and check out some merch in the works for season three. Yes. And like I said, November 11th, season three kicks off. We are our theme this year. Mm. Do we want to release it? Mm. Go ahead. Female serial killers oh, is going to be our theme Good. for this. It's going to be for this season. It's going to be juicy. Like, oh yeah, girl. We just gave you a little teaser. Girl power, but there's more in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be associated with that. No, when girl power goes wrong, <laughs> that's what happens. When girl power goes. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, so yeah, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you guys, season three. Bye.